You are listening to the light of today with the powerful, life-changing Word of Christ that heals, delivers, transforms, and fills you with the Holy Spirit. Let God's truth burst forth into your heart. Stay tuned to the light of today with Chris Palmer. The thing that God was teaching me on this trip was the power of one word from God. Okay, you want to play? Okay, real quick, real quick, before I get into this. The church wanted to send you guys a greeting. You know we like technology here, right? We like to harness technology. And so the church says, can we send, can we send Light of Today a greeting from the islands? This was the last night we had service there. This is some of the people from the church that stuck around. It says, can we send Light of Today a greeting? Would you like to hear a greeting from your brothers and sisters? And, okay, it's not long, okay? Okay, play the greeting. Okay, that's a greeting from the church in Texas and Caicos. But, you know, you, I want you to see that because you have, we have family all over the world. We're just, we're just, just church just starting out. God's put us in Detroit. But we have family in Italy. We have family in Brazil. We have family in Turks and Caicos. We have family in London. God's doing wonderful things in this church. And <clears throat> the Lord showed me the power of one word from God. Now I was teaching the church on the weapons of our warfare this week. And one thing I said was, you don't need 28 pages of prophecy to be powerful in the things of the Spirit. Usually when God gives you a word, as a church here this morning, now you talk to me like you hear, you don't need one word, uh, a whole roll along list of prophecy. People like to make a show of prophecy. All you need is one word, just accurate, and it'll be powerful. On the one of the nights I was preaching, Hallelujah to Jesus. Now, pay attention to this now. This is very important because you don't hear stuff like this often. This is going to seem strange, but this is what I say. The Lord gave me a word that was very unusual. I mean, it was not, it was not, a, it was a very unusual word. And I don't want to say I hesitated, but you know, you're more apt to share certain things that sound like, oh, this is good. You know, the Lord says, somebody here, God's going to give them a new season. And you say, oh, come on up here. God's got it. And you say that word and everybody will come up. But I got a word from God that was very strange. And I was in my head going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. The power of God was moving in the service. I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to share it because I can get on a plane and just fly off this island. And they never see me again. I said, there's somebody here. You're looking at something. You're watching something. Something happened in your life recently. You're involved in an action. And you felt like something entered into your body and you have not been the same. Very different word. I said, and in the moment you felt that thing enter you, you haven't been the same ever since. And I'm thinking to myself, oh my God. <laughs> This is crazy, you know, what's going on? And, and as I said, if that's you today, come here. And I don't expect everybody in the pews to come up to the altar. I was expecting maybe one. If someone was bold enough, this man comes to the front. He puts his head down. And I take the mic off and I says, let me ask you. Do you understand what I said? I don't mean that you're having a hard time and you're having stress. The word, I'm telling you, is very, very specific. You felt something enter your mind. How many of you ever heard a word like that before? Neither have I. I said, no, if it went in and you're acting crazy, it's got to come out. You understand? But the power of fasting... I understand why Jesus said this kind does not come out by prayer and fasting. Because when you obey and you fast, there's power. I have such an authority because God spoke and told me to do it. If you're doing something in your life and you don't feel there's authority behind it to do it, God didn't tell you to do it. Because when God tells you to do it, you don't have to apologize for anything you say. You know, we have so many apologetic preachers today. They apologize. I'm sorry. And they, they, they use a lot of, they, 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 they're so sorry for being candid and for saying things. And if you're truly speaking for God, you won't apologize. People will understand it. I said, lift your hands to heaven. Close your eyes. 
And I just pray, Lord, bless this man. I spoke and I said, in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of this man's mind. You don't have to yell. Then have to scream. I said, you, whatever has entered into this man, come out of his mind in the name of Jesus. Power of God touched this man. And you could see the moment I said that, something in this man's life changed. He fell over on the ground. Because people say, why do you have to fall over? You don't have to fall over. People usually do fall over because there's a release of power. It's like you get electrocuted. You're not going to stand on your feet. You fall over. Well, the service ended. I was talking with some people from the church. There's one lady in the church. She, before I left, she just had to make me a lobster. Oh, I'm going to make you a lobster. And she did. It was good. And she's telling me about this lobster in the corner, blah, blah, blah. And the man comes up to me and he says, listen, thank you. Thank you for praying for me. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. I feel changed. Okay. So he leaves the service. The next night, the man comes back to the service. And he runs and he tracks me down. And he says, I need to talk to you. I said, what? He says, I would tell you that the moment you prayed for me, I did a 180, but that's not enough to convey to you what happened when you prayed for me. He says, I did like a 360 and then did a 180, which means it was a powerful turnaround in his life. I said, can you tell me what happened? He says, Pastor, like you said, I felt something. I didn't want to get into what he was doing because it's in the past. But he said, I felt something come into me like a, a bean. And ever since that, he goes, in my mind, I could not interact with people. I couldn't talk to people right. I became very strange and awkward and socially awkward. He goes, I don't know. I couldn't focus on anything. I don't know. It was just, I don't know how to explain. I said, you don't have to explain. I understood by the Spirit when he gave it to me. And then he says, I went to a pastor, a well-intentioned pastor who is spirit-filled. Do you hear me? Speaking in tongues. Spirit-filled. Word taught. But doesn't understand deliverance. He said, look what she gave me. And he pulled out his iPhone and he had a whole long on the notes section full of scriptures, full of points. And full of things that she says, repeat this as many times as you can say in a day. I said, have you been repeating? He goes, I've been repeating it. I go, how has it been helping? He goes, it didn't help me at all. I've been repeating it and repeating it. It helps me, it doesn't help me. I said, then what helped you? He goes, the moment you told that thing to come out of me, that's what helped me. I'm different now. And he was so happy. And the point I'm trying to make is this. People need deliverance. You say, Pastor Palmer, can a Christian be demon-possessed? I don't believe a Christian could be demon-possessed, but I don't fully understand this yet. And I'm almost through a master's program on theology. I don't quite understand it, but I do see that there are believers I believe are saved that they get mentally demonized in their mind. I didn't say demon-possessed, but I said demonized because they allow entry points to the demonic realm and they need deliverance. And do you know what they need? They need Christians that live their lives in the fear of God to deliver them. You cannot be used of God unless you live your life in fear of God. In obedience to God. Amen. God wants to use you. Now you just got to wait for the word of the Lord. And when God gives you the word, there will be power. Amen, somebody. So thank you for praying. We have other testimonies like that. But I don't have time to get into all those this morning. But God is doing something. And it's powerful. Amen. Amen. Okay. If you have your Bible, let's go to the scriptures. Matthew 10, verse number 16 this morning. Matthew 10, verse 16, I feel like preaching, I feel like going for it, I feel like taking off this morning in Jesus' name. Thank you, Brother Leroy. I got an amen section to my right. <clears throat> Brother Leroy's church is having revival this week. They'll have service this morning, tonight, and Monday night. If you want to be a part of Hymns Revival, they're bringing in a wonderful evangelist. You can join this church services tonight at and tomorrow tomorrow evening, I believe. He'll come in, so come and join and be a part of what Harvest is doing here at the church. Matthew chapter 10 and verse number 16. Let's go to the scriptures. This is what Jesus says. Oh, I feel good this morning. I'm ready to go for this. It's going to be good. Matthew 10, verse number 16. <clears throat> Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Let's turn to your neighbor and say, not everybody is a good person. Ah, 
So, all right. I send you out as sheaves in the midst of wolves. So be shrewd as serpents and be innocent as doves. Someone say amen. amen. <clears throat> okay. Genesis chapter 2. Let's go. Come on. Let's go. Go, 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 go. Turn so quickly. I want to see smoke coming from your Bibles. Turn so quickly you'll wear the ink off the page of your Bibles. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. I got in last night at 2 o'clock in the morning. I still feel like going this morning. I'm, I'm ready to die. You told me I had three more services after this. I'd say, show me where they're at. Genesis 2, verse number 15. The Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord commanded the man, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will surely die. That sounds a little harsh. All right. Let's go to Genesis chapter 3. Go one door to the right. Genesis chapter 3. Uh, uh, uh. Genesis 3 and verse number 1. Are we ready for it this morning, church? <laughs> Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, Well, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say, You must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it or you'll die. I imagine that's kind of what Eve might have sounded like. <laughs> you'll certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and she ate it. She also gave some of to her husband who was with her and he ate it. The eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. They didn't know they were naked before that. They realized they didn't have any clothes on. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. I want to talk to you this morning about the restoration, or I should say it like this, protecting your innocence before God. Someone say innocence. Protecting your innocence before God. And I'll say this this morning for the people that want to take notes, is that what makes you powerful in God, you can be a Christian but not be powerful. You can be a Christian and not be effective. And you'll stand before God and he'll say to you, my child, welcome into heaven. You are my child. You are my daughter. I love you so much. <clears throat> but before you come into heaven, let's review your life. And the Lord will say, you're welcome into heaven, but you were not effective on the earth. You didn't fulfill your ministry that I called you to fulfill. You say, is that in the Bible? It's in the Bible. You didn't fulfill your misery. The things that you did, you lived your life, but you were not effective. You could have been more effective. And do you know the reason why believers today, one of the reasons that people aren't effective and powerful as believers is because their innocence has been spoiled. The first thing that Satan attacked in humanity was humanity's innocence. God, I'll say this, the reason why Satan attacked man's innocence is because that was the thing that God was most concerned about. That's why Satan says, I'm going to steal it. I'm going to go in there and I'm going to steal it. God said to Adam and Eve, listen, there's a tree in the garden. You say, oh, pastor, it sounds like a fairy tale. No, no, no. You watch too many fairy tales. Now you think God's words a fairy tale. That's Satan's plan. God put a garden in the midst of it and said, listen, this is a garden. This is a garden. You can have anything you want in the garden. This is a tree. Don't eat from the tree. I'm not going to tell you why. I'm not going to tell you why not. Just listen, don't eat from the tree. Because if you eat from the tree, you'll know things you're not supposed to know. You'll know things. Listen, you're not supposed to know everything. 
You're supposed to know what God wants you to know. And listen, if you learn things that you are not supposed to learn, Satan will have a place that he's not supposed to hold. Oh, that's good this morning. Listen to me. Listen to me. If you learn things you're not supposed to learn, Satan will have a place he's not supposed to hold. If I put the mic down, just drop the mic and walk off, we'd be good this morning. Amen. That will stick. You'll not forget anything. Remember that this morning. If you learn things you're not supposed to learn, Satan will have things he's not supposed to hold. Amen. See you next week. Glory to God. From the beginning, human beings have always had a knack inside of them. This is good this morning. If you don't get anything out of this, the Lord gave this to me when I was in the islands. Man, I was walking the beach and God speaking to me. I'm This is true, God. I want you to be effective. I, when people see you as a Christian, I want them to look at you and say, there's something special about that person. You ever see a Christian, you say, oh, that's a good Christian. But then you see a Christian say, there's something special in that person's life. Do you understand what I'm saying? They like glow. They say, oh, are you a Christian? I'm a Christian. Do you go to church? I go to church. Do you tithe? I go to tithe. tithe. Yeah, I tithe. I go to, yeah. Do you do good? I do good. But then you see a Christian and they have a glow about them. They have, a, like a, I don't want to say this in the wrong way, but they have an aura about that person. There is something on the person's life. You don't know how to identify. You know what it is? It's always the same thing. Innocence. God has protected that person. I don't know about you this morning, but I want to be innocent before God. So you say, Pastor, what is innocence? And is innocence ignorance? Number one, innocence is this. Innocence comes from the Greek word that simply means to be unmixed and to be pure. Innocence simply means to be unmixed and to be pure. In the Bible, innocence, or the Greek word for innocence, is often used to describe wine that was purely mixed. Not contained another element inside of it. It means that it's free from toxins. Some of you understand what I'm talking about. You go, listen, y'all, we've been to that point in your life where you wanted a soda, but you didn't have money. Amen? You know, you wanted to go to the restaurant, you wanted to pop, you didn't want to drink water. You wanted to drink a Coca-Cola, but you didn't want to pay a $9.95 for a pop. So what do you do? You order water and you say, bring out some lemons. They bring out one lemon, you say, can you go get more lemons for me? They bring the lemons out, and you squeeze two or three of them into the glass, and you take about four or five packs of Sweet and Low, and you make your own version of you all looking at me like I'm crazy this morning. Am I the only one that does this? I, when I was in college, I didn't have money, that much money at all. So you know what I used to do? I made something. Every, it became a trend in college. I used to call it electric lemonade. <laughs> I would go into a restaurant and say, do you charge for soda water? They says, no, 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 no. We don't even charge for soda water. I said, okay, bring me some soda water. They bring the soda water out. I did not have someone, another person ask for lemons. They bring the bowl of lemons out. And I'd put the bowl of lemons to the side, and I'd start squeezing them into the soda water. Then I would take the, the, the yellow packet, the Splenda, which is terrible. Is it bad for you? Yeah, that's probably why I picked it, because I have a magnet for these kind of things. I'd pick the Splenda, I'd tear open Splenda, and put it just as long as it wasn't sugar. I figured if it was a yellow packet, it's probably the better for you. Pouring that stuff in, and I had electric lemonade. And someone said, Well, let me try that. Let me try that. I said, well, Get your own. So he tries, Ooh, this is good. So we weren't buying pasta, we were saving money. Well, you know what I did to that water that was pure, nice, unadulterated H2O. And here I am taking Splendid and dumping it in by the gallon, just putting it in my body and poisoning myself. Taking what is pure and putting a mixture in it. God wants you to be pure water. And the enemy tries to come along and mix you with sin and things that don't belong in your life. And get you to corrupt yourself. Hello somebody. You can only be powerful. Water can only be healthy when it's just water. Hello. Someone say, well you drink pop all that pop. You drink one day. This, this was a year ago. I drank six cans of pop one day. Six. If I was, a, if I was in seventh grade, I'd have got it grounded in a spanking for that. Six. Well, I say, well, how do you drink water? I said, there's water in Coca-Cola. There's water in that. They say, well, there's water in cauliflower, but you, you drink water. Amen. 
You have to have something that's pure. If it's not pure, it's not good for anything but corruption. God wants you to be a pure Christian. A Christian that has something special about them is a Christian that is preserving their innocence. Look at your neighbor and say, preserve your innocence. It's used to describe precious metal not mixed with any other element. Now, I was looking at rings this week. No, I'm not getting married. I was looking at a ring. I want to buy it. Now, the only ring I have is a class ring. I was looking at a nice ring. And I typed in what I wanted. I was expecting to see in the hundreds. But I can budget for it. A couple hundred. Put one put aside for a ring. I found a ring. Fifty-four ninety-nine. I said, how's a gold ring $54.99? How's a gold ring that has, you know, what I wanted in $54.99? I said, whoa, I came on a website that maybe I'm the only one that knows about this website. And then you know what it says? It's just got a little bit of yellow covering and the whole ring is made of iron or something like that. It's not pure. Not made of gold. So maybe it looks special on the outside, but there's nothing special about it on the inside because it has mixture inside of it. God wants Christians to be free of mixture because when you're free of mixture, it makes your value go up in the spirit realm. When you don't mix your life with a bunch of invaluable stuff, Satan is trying to make things that are not valuable look valuable so you fill your life with those things and you become less valuable to God. Hello. If you want to be more valuable to God, you will preserve yourself. You will say, devil, no, I don't want that in my life because God's called me to be 24 carat. I'm not going to compromise and become 2 carat. Hello, somebody. I'm going to have purity in my life. So God can say to me, I'm not mixed. I'm walking in integrity. Yeah, but my life is suffering. I owe it to myself. No, no, you don't owe it to yourself. Have value in your life. I want God to look at me and say, look at him. He's 24 karat. He's got power. He's got value. He's got worth in his life. Not, well, I don't know. Because I'll tell you this. When you go up for the special occasion, you're not putting on the 54.99 ring. You are putting on the ring that costs you the most. I'm my, I like cologne. I love cologne so much. I have about 15 bottles of cologne at home, and I don't apologize for it. I just like it. I like cologne. And I'll tell you, someone gave me a gift one time of a cologne that was probably a couple hundred dollars. But I'll also tell you what. I have Brute sitting on my nightstand as well. How many know what Brute is? <laughs> you can go buy Brute at CVS for $7.99. And it comes, it's not a little brute, it's like a big bottle, it's like a wheel, it's like a barrel full of brute, Seven ninety-nine. And I'll tell you what, when I go to bed at night, I'm not putting on the expensive cologne, I'm splashing on that brute. Some of you guys are looking at me like, I thought brute was the expensive cologne. <laughs> it is, but it gets more expensive, trust me. When the big occasion comes on, I'm walking over there to that bottle that I keep out of the sunlight, and I pull it out because you just don't want to spoil it. Pull it out. This stuff is not. I was, this stuff is not made out of edutoye. I was with some French people down there. The word for a, you know, the the e means water in French. How many knew that? I knew that. Now you know. E means water in French. Water. Yeah, I said this. I said, wait a second. Are you telling me on the, on the bottle where it says, toilet? You ever see that on the bottle? It means water from the toilet. <laughs> Next time someone gives you toilet, you say, I don't want this water from the toilet. Give me the perfume. Hello. The perfume is made of oil. You spray it on yourself. You get in the shower afterwards after a 12-hour day. You take the bar of soap and you scrub yourself, I hope. You come out of the shower and you still smell that perfume on your life because it's expensive, it's rich, it's not mixed with water from the toilet. <laughs> I don't want God to look at me and say, hey, we want the easy toilet, we want the perfume. How many want to be perfumed for God? I don't know about you. So, so, this is what I'm talking about. Ignorance, innocence, means to not know something that God doesn't want you to know. It means to be unmixed. It means to have a heart and a mind and a spirit that does not hold on to that which offends God. It means to have a heart, mind, and a spirit to not hold on, to possess that thing that offends God. 
I was saying this morning, there's something about the Holy Spirit. It says in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 30, Grieve not the Holy Spirit, which is your seal unto the day of redemption. When you see the scripture, you see the Holy Spirit is as harmless, as gentle as a dove. He's easy. I don't want to mean it like he's easily offended, but he is. He sees things and it grieves God. And God has to walk away. And the reason is, is because he's holy. And when you're innocent, it means that there's nothing in your life that is pushing the Spirit of God away and not making him want to be with you. When you examine your life, you should say, there are things in my, I'm preaching good this morning, y'all, this will change your life. There's things in my life when the Holy Spirit says, he says, what's that smell? Mmm, that's that good cologne. Mmm, I like the way that smells. I want to be attracted to his life. You know, I one time bought a bottle of polo that was generic polo. It said, smells like polo. It wasn't polo. And I splashed too much of that on, and people tried to stay away from me. They said, what is that smell? I said, what's it smell like? They said, it smells like polo cologne, but it doesn't smell like polo cologne. It smells like Kmart polo cologne. And people are like, oh, I don't want to be around him. When you're not innocent, the Holy Spirit will come around you and say, maybe another day. You say, well, Holy Spirit, come. Maybe another day. It's like a kid when he's been playing in the sewer, playing in the mud. Uh, maybe another day. Maybe another day. Not today. Not today. Maybe another day. I want something sweet smelling about my life where the Holy Spirit says, okay, what do you want to do? How many ever, you know, when you got married, Moses and Tanisha, you guys decided you're falling in love. You walked away from that person and you missed the way they smelled. Amen. You understand? You couples that are in the church, you understand, or you should at least understand, your significant other's perfume. Their scent. You know it. You smell it. Oh, that reminds me of so-and-so. Oh, because, you know, scent is closely related to the brain, your, your memory in your brain. Scent reminds you of something. You know, you smell something. Say, I remember being a kid and smelling that. So you have to know and put a sweet scent on so the Holy Spirit can be attracted to you. Ignorance, ignorance means just to be unaware of something. <clears throat> just to be unaware of something. To have no understanding. But to say that you're ignorant. God doesn't want you to be ignorant. He doesn't want you to have no knowledge and no understanding. So you say, oh, you pastor, you want me to be ignorant, but you want me to be innocent, then I have to be ignorant. No, no, no. I simply mean there are certain things God doesn't want you to know. Stay away from those things. Look at, we read the thing. It says Genesis chapter 2, 15. I'm going to read it quickly. Then the Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to cultivate it and to keep it. The Lord God commanded, saying, free from any of the tree you may eat freely, but from the tree of the garden of good and evil, don't eat. For that day you eat, you'll surely die. Do you know what this is saying here? It's saying that God demonstrated to Adam and Eve that evil exists. But because evil exists, you don't have to know everything about it. God wants you to be aware that there's bad in the world. God wants you to be aware that there are things that are out there that exist to hurt you. You have to teach that to your kids. You don't box them in and put a, more, a, a moat around them and say, well, I'm not going to let you see anything. You teach your kids that is bad. I have a nephew. As you know, when I see something that's bad, I say, now, Michael James, you see that? I don't mean the whole detail of it, but if he sees something, I say, that is bad. That is evil. That is wrong. Teach your kids it's bad. But don't teach your kids everything about it. Amen, somebody. God wants you to know evil exists, but he also doesn't want you to know everything about the evil that exists. God looked at Adam and Eve and he said, all I want you to know is this tree is bad for you. Just leave it at that. God didn't tell them why it was bad. God didn't tell them everything about Satan, about Lucifer's fall. All he said was, just don't eat it. You have to be content in your life when God says, don't have sex before marriage. Don't ask, why God, why can't I have sex before marriage? What is sex like? What am I missing out? Just say, okay, God, I won't do it. When God says, don't be angry and offended at your brother. I don't need to know all that. Just do what God says to do and you'll be fine. Because it says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 7, Hallelujah. Am I preaching good this morning? Yes. All right. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 7. Hashabuka. I'm, I'm excited about this. God, you know, we have such a sweet spirit in worship because, it's, you know, you, worship has been really good. You know why? Because it's coming from the heart. A pure heart. 
people on the altar, people that serve, they have to have a pure heart before God so it can go up to God and He receive it as worthy. 2 Thessalonians 2.7, it says, For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. The mystery of lawlessness is already at work. The Bible is telling you here is that there is a mystery about sin. You know, there's mysteries to humanity. And the most interesting mysteries to human beings are those mysteries that pertain to the spirit realm. We're interested. That's why you'll watch four or five episodes of Ancient Aliens on the History Channel. You want to know. Well, maybe that's just me. You want to know stuff about the things, about the where we come from. I was looking at the stars. You know, if your life gets too much, just go outside and look at the stars. You start to realize how small your problems are. It's 6 a.m. in the morning on the island when I was leaving yesterday. I didn't get home until 2 in the morning. Because this blizzard messed everything up. And the pastor, he pulls up. And I was waiting outside for him. And I look up at the stars because it was still dark. And it was clear. Figures, it's clear at night during the day. It's cloudy and rainy. And I look up and I say, wow. On every one of those planets, on every one of those stars, it's something going on. Noises are being made. Wind is blowing. We know this. They discovered there's going to be a new planet in our solar system. Didn't y'all see that this week? Planet 9. They're saying there's a guy, he, the guy that tried to X out Pluto and put Pluto back in. He also said that we're going to have a new, he didn't, he didn't just make Pluto, but now he's trying to fight for this other planet to be part of the solar system. He just can't make up his mind. He wanted to be nine or ten planets. We don't know. We'll take it though. Amen. And they're saying it's made up of gas and dust and blah, blah, blah. And I don't understand all that, but you want to know about it. And I said to myself, why do we spend billions of dollars as humanity on the space program? No one's ever going to get to that planet that you ever see. You don't even know if you'll ever see a man on Mars. But why do we spend so much money, billions of dollars on space shuttles and telescopes? Because you want to know what's out there. Why are we broadcasting radio waves all the way to the ends of the universe that just keep you sending one out there? It just keeps on going. We want to know what is out there. There are mysteries about the spirit realm that become interesting to man. But listen, because of that, you have to understand there are certain things about the spirit realm you should not know. You shouldn't know it. Understand that the mystery of lawlessness, talking about the mystery of sin, is the power unseen that is ever working in the world for evil. You look and you see all the corruption, the evilness that goes on in North Korea, the evilness that goes on in communist countries, the evil that's going on in the Middle East, you see evil that's going on in the name of religion, and you wonder why, What's, why is all this evil happening? What's going on with this evil? And God just wants you to understand it exists. There is a demonic spirit, an evilness that is at work, and God is telling you, do what I tell you to do, but keep yourselves free from that thing. Don't experiment with it. Don't try and get extra knowledge on it. Keep yourself free. And you say, well, why, Pastor? Why can't I do that? You know, you could go out to Barnes & Nobles. You could go to Ann Arbor. You can go buy books that will teach you all these kind of things. But you must be careful. And I'm going to tell you why. Because if you open up a mystery, you fill your spirit with that mystery. Whatever mystery you open yourself up to, you'll fill your spirit and your mind with that mystery. Therefore, Jesus said, take heed what you go looking for. Some things are better left unknown. How many someone wanted to come tell you something about somebody who says, no, I, 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 don't tell me, I'd rather not know about it. I just rather not know about it. I don't need to know the details. I don't need to know. Just don't tell me. What, what pastor is this back? We need to tell. No, no, no. Just don't tell me about it. I don't need to hear it. I don't need to know it. Do you know why that is? Because there's a law in humanity. Whatever you see cannot be unseen. If you see green, you can't say, Jesus, take green out of my mind. You'll know green the rest of your life. Whatever you taste cannot be untasted. If you taste a strawberry, you know the rest of your life what a strawberry tastes like. They gave me a fruit down on the island. I've never seen it before. I don't know if it's fruit. I don't know if it's nut. But I took a bite of it. And they said, you have to take the shell off of it first. Calm down. 
So I take this shell off of it. It tastes like a fig, but it had three marble-like pits in it. And I'm driving and eating this thing at the same time. And I said, why do you give this to me when I'm driving? Why don't you give it to me when I'm not driving? And you know, there you drive on the left side of the road. You don't drive on the right side of the road. You drive on the left. And it's not hard driving on the left. But I was driving home last night. I want to turn off on the left. And I'm here, in here eating this thing, and I taste it. I never really tasted anything like this before. But guess what? The next time I taste it, I'll say, hey, that's that fruit down at the island. Because your brain takes things and stores it and files it away. That's what happens when you uncover a mystery you're not supposed to. And do you know what? It releases into your life mixture. And you cannot unsee it. You have to live the rest of your life with its effects. Am I teaching to you this morning? Okay, let me show you an example. Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. Somebody say innocence. I want to be innocent before God. Well, Brother Palmer, you can just remain ignorant all that you want. No, I'm going to be innocent. I'm going to come before God because you're going to see innocence will mess your spiritual walk up. You know, in Genesis chapter 4, you understand the story. Cain had murder in his heart. God told Cain, Cain, do not, before he committed the sin, God told Cain, murder's in your heart, Cain. That's why I could not accept your sacrifice. And Cain said, okay, God, okay, whatever you say. Then he went and found his brother Abel and said, hey, Abel, come and take a walk with me. Come take a walk with me. And Abel said, okay. And they're walking there. And Cain, Abel, Cain takes a rock or whatever he took, smashes his brother and kills him. And you know what he did? He uncovered sin, the mystery of murder, and the mystery of violence was like a seal and an envelope being broken open, and that now filled the earth. The mystery of murder and the mystery of iniquity became now a reality to mankind. Fathers, listen to what I'm saying. Do not bring something into your home. Because the moment you bring it into your home, you break the seal of innocence for the rest of your family. Hello, this is powerful. You say, well, I'm going to bring in this movie with sex inside of it. You bring it into your kids, the kids start watching it. You know what you just did? You broke the innocence in your family. And then your kids, you wonder why your kids cussing and swearing and doing bad things. You broke the innocence. And look what it says here in uh, Genesis chapter 4, 15. But the Lord said, not so. Everyone who kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times over. The Lord put a mark on Cain's head. Okay. Let's go quickly here. Uh, just down a couple. It says, okay. Cain was then building a city and he named it after his son Enoch. Now Cain decides to build a city after he murdered. What do you think is going to be the mark of Cain's city? Murder. Because his city is not innocent. If you're going to build something for God, make sure you build it with clean hands. Well, you know, as a pastor, why I stand in fear, whatever I open my life up to is a gateway for you to come into. I understand that. Okay. To Enoch was born Irad. Irad, the father. Okay, I'm not going through these names right now. You understand what I'm saying? Y'all understand, there's some people born, and they had names. Amen. <laughs> I'm sure the study of their name would be fruitful, but we're not going through that this morning. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all who played stringed instruments and pipes. Zillah also had a son, Tubal Cain, who forged kinds of tools out of bronze and iron. Let me ask you a question. Why is he forging tools out of bronze and iron? Exactly. They're people of war. Where did the war come from? It came out of Cain's heart because Cain didn't want to be innocent before God. Now he has a whole society that's going to now go to war. Do you see why? The moment you open your life up to something and become aware of it, you break the seal of ignorance and it becomes how you live your life. So God told Adam and Eve, listen, don't open your life to sin, because if you open your life to sin, you open up the rest of mankind to sin. Can someone say amen? Jesus told you in Scripture, do not allow your life to be mixed with sin.
mixture. Look at someone say mixture. Come on, talk to me like you're here. Say mixture. Mixture is the enemy of the kingdom of God. It says in Proverbs chapter 4, 23, we know this scripture, guard your heart from out of it issues, or comes the issues of life. Jesus said, guard your heart. Take heed to how you hear. Because when you open up your heart to something, if it's not of God, you give it a place in your life, then your heart becomes divided. Your heart, how many people have divided hearts? That was John's issue. He said, don't love the world or the things that are in the world because if any man loved the world, the love of the Father is not in him. There is a love that's in this world and it is competing for your heart. And the way it's competing for your heart, this is good, is competing for your heart by tempting you to love knowledge you're not supposed to love. How do people lose their innocence? How do people lose their Satan, the spirit of this age, he understands how people lose their innocence. Ignorance, innocence, whatever. Innocence. He knows how people lose it. He's trying to get... I was sitting in the airport yesterday. Getting a bag off the belt. And you know those bags take forever to come off the belt. You waiting for it. This guy, we were sitting there waiting for the bags to come off the belt. And you know, you're just sitting there, everybody's like sheep. Waiting for the cow, waiting for them to throw you a bale of hay and just chew on it. Looking around, people are already tired. And all of a sudden, the machine, you know, the machine starts going beep, beep. You know, the bags are coming. And one guy next to me starts clapping. And I want to look at him and say, No, we still got about 10 more minutes before those bags start coming off. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And there's this kid. I'm not going to get into what he looked like. He's 10 years old, 10. I heard him tell his age. He says, I'm 10. Three years, I'll be a teenager. And someone said something to him about his mom. And he started cussing about his mom. I don't blah, 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 blah about my mom. And I'm going to go back on that plane to Los Angeles where I came from. Uh-uh. I said, this kid is 10. Disrespectful. Talking to his aunt. Listen, my uncle would have... I remember one time my brother said something he shouldn't have said about, or just said something disrespectful about my mother back when he was a kid. And my aunt took her hand and right across the face to my brother. That's in the age of respect. This kid cussing it out. Do you know I think about this? Where is this kid learning to be rebellious at? Music. Social media. Snapchat, Facebook. Is there anything wrong with that? That's where it's coming from because the spirit of the age is trying to do it. People are losing their innocence. Kids finding things out they're not supposed to find out. There's one singer. I got so upset. Millions of followers on social media in the stuff he posts. I want to say, when did athletes and singers forget their role models? When did we forget that people that have fame should be role models for kids? You know when we forgot about that is when values became relative. Well, we just don't. Hey, you know what? Well, values are relative. I'll tell you what. The moment I cross your values, we'll see how relative you think values are. The moment I kick you in the shins... And throw you down the steps. I say, well, that's not part of my values. Deal with it. No, no, no. Values come from the moral creator of the universe. One of my favorite philosophers says that men's liberties are only as good as their ability to put moral restraints upon their appetites. Hello, somebody. Your liberty, your freedom is only as good as somebody as you put moral restraint. I'm getting off this political speech. Amen, somebody. Okay, number one, this is how you lose your innocence. Number one, doing and learning something before you're supposed to learn it. Doing and learning something before you're supposed to learn it. Doing something prematurely. Talking about sex, music, the ways of the world. There is a timing for those kind of things. You say, ah, there's a timing for certain things. You should not teach your kids about those things until the time has come. Amen, somebody. 
Number two, being taught something from someone who knows something you shouldn't know. Being taught something from someone who knows something you shouldn't know. Parents, if you know there's a kid in the neighborhood that knows something you don't want your kids to know, keep your kid from that kid. Because, you know, he may not know that thing. His innocence may have been spoiled from somebody who taught him something against his will. And God takes that seriously. It says here in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3 and 4. Is this good this morning? 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3 and 4. But I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted. Paul says it is. I am so concerned about this. Because there were these false teachers coming in to the church at Corinth. And they were lying and saying things they shouldn't say. And Paul says, I'm upset. I'm concerned. I can't get there to do anything about it. So I'm writing you and telling you, I'm concerned that somebody is going to come along and mess with your innocence. Just as Eve would deceive by the cunning ways of the serpent. You happily put up with whatever anyone tells you. Even if they preach a different Jesus than the one we preach. Or a different kind of spirit than the one you received. Or a different kind of gospel than the one you believed so what's he saying your corruption becomes compromised based upon your willingness to put up with the corrupter your your innocence becomes compromised based upon your willingness to be put up with the corrupter you find something is corrupting your life kick it out of your life Delete it. Unfollow it from social media. Get rid of it. Put it aside. Delete your stuff if you have to delete your stuff. Turn the TV off. Cancel the cable if you have to cancel it. The enemy is trying to mess with your innocence. It takes innocence to advance the kingdom. It takes innocence to speak the word of God. And you don't have innocence and you try to preach the gospel, you'll not be effective. People will say, I hear what you're saying, but I don't see what you're saying. I hear what you're saying, but there's no conviction upon what you're saying. And hello, can I get something from you this morning? When you have innocence in your life and you preach the gospel, people say there's power because I can see the innocence in you. You believe this stuff, don't you? Why do you believe it? Guard your innocence. Guard your innocence. Don't allow what's not innocent to tempt you. Kick it out of your life. And number three, pursuing curiosities you're not supposed to pursue. You say, what do you mean by that, Brother Caleb? Thanks. What do you mean by that? This is what I mean. The enemy tries to get people today to have an open mind. How many hear this? Why are you be open-minded? Why are you open-minded? Oh, you Christians. You're close-minded people. You're so close-minded. You're not tolerant. Oh, you should be tolerant. You should be open-minded. Listen. Why you say I have to be open-minded to you? But when I talk about Jesus, you're not open-minded to me. You can be open-minded. You want to study math? Go study math. You want to go study science? Go study science. You want to go study biology? Go study biology. You say, oh, I want to go study engineering. You go and you do the best studying engineering. Music? Go study it. I was with somebody, and I was talking to them this week about literature. They're really into literature. And I say this. You study literature. Be careful. They say, why? I say, because I know I like literature. I like English and stuff. I read books. I say, but a lot of those people that you're studying, I only study them to a certain point. Because they commit suicide. They're alcoholic. They're addicted to stuff. You be careful. And don't have an open mind when the Holy Spirit says, close your mind. You can't be a recluse. You can't be, you know, a, a gnome living out in the woods somewhere. But when the Holy Spirit says, son, that's enough. Do you know what that means? That doesn't mean one more bite. That doesn't mean one more sip. That means it's enough. If God says, okay, <laughs> come on, put the Netflix down. Put the Netflix down. 
when God says to you, time is up, no more, don't take one more step. Because the law is, whatever you see, you cannot unsee it. And your responsibility as a Christian is to say, my life is pure. Amen. I want you to be powerful. I want you to be a powerful Christian. Listen, Light of Today is not just the name of the church, it's the vision. I want you to go on Walmart and people say, you're standing by frozen food aisle, buying frozen corn dogs. No, that's me. <laughs> and they say, man, it, there's something about that person's life. You walk up and say, hello, how are you? Good. You know, you can make a lot of conversation with people just by being friendly. You walk up to this thing, the lady say, how are you? Say, I'm good, how are you? Oh, you having a busy day today? Yeah, and you start talking, laughing. You come back. You know, I go to certain places that people know me. Talk about Jesus. You're the pastor, yeah. Because your innocence is attractive. Hello, somebody. Your innocence. Maybe not what you say will make you different. Because we live in a society. Everybody's heard a lot about Jesus. So much you say may not make you unique. But you know today what will make you unique? You don't know certain things that everybody else knows. Amen? It's valuable. Stand to your feet this morning. I commend you on your innocence, church. I commend you. Your innocence, I could go on and on about this, but I commend you. Amen? God's pleased this morning. I can sense it in my heart. Let's go ahead and lift our hands to God. I want to pray. I also want to pray for the other church. They're having a revival this week. I want to believe God will move. Father, in the name of Jesus, we give you great honor and great praise. May the power of your Holy Spirit be upon every person that is here. May you move in the hearts. May you keep our eyes from that which is evil. Lord, if there's anything in us that's corrupt... Go ahead and repent right now. If you see something, something in your life that is ruining the purity that you have in Jesus. Lord God Almighty, I ask that your blessing be upon us this week. Move in harvest revival this week. May you anoint the speaker, anoint the ministry. We honor you, Father. May your hand be upon us. May you go with us. May your spirit be big. Lord, we believe you for 500 souls. We're asking you this year, God, send us 500 souls for Jesus. God, I pray each person be a soul winner. Boldness to speak the light of today, which is your word that's unchanging, is always in today. I pray, Father, that we have testimonies of people being delivered like we did today, set free and healed by the power of Jesus. We honor you, God. Someone say, Lord Jesus, I honor you. Now that you've heard the light of today, connect with us. Go to our website, lightoftoday.org. Write us at P.O. Box 403, Wald Lake, Michigan, 48390. Or tweet Chris Palmer at twitter.com forward slash Chris Palmer. Our podcasts are free and updated regularly. So make sure to share them with a friend and tune in again to the light of today with Chris Palmer.